Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, joining me today, but thank you in particular for joining me the last four days. Fall share was spectacular. I've got uh, Philippians 2 open. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own, your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You are the most amazing other-oriented listeners, because you care about others, and you uh, supported us in an extravagant way. You made sacrificial uh, giving. You you said, I want to participate, and you um, you took action. So thank you. I'm, I'm really full of gratitude. So much so, I'm going to bring on uh, Ace Collins in hour two. He wrote a whole book on gratitude. I think we're going to kind of enjoy that uh, today. And then we're also going to have uh, Alec, Dr. Alex McFarland joining me in just a minute here. But I do want to just uh, take another uh, second to gush with gratitude, because thank you. It really meant the world to us. We had an exhausting blast. It was really, really fun. And it's so fun to connect with listeners and to hear from you. And your encouragement means a lot to us. And your gifts are encouraging, but your words are encouraging. And your prayers are encouraging. And it's uh, a spectacular uh, place to be. It's great to work here. It's great to be part of this uh, ministry. Now going into its 72nd year. It's uh, remarkable. And also, uh, it's Rosh Hashanah, so uh, I wish, should say Shana Tov to all of you uh, Messianic Jews out there and all the other Jewish people that might be uh, starting their celebration at sundown. So um, Dr. Alex McFarlane has uh, written over 20 books, and he's got a new book out right now I want to chat uh, with him about. It's called The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. Can't think of a more critical book at a more critical time. Alex, welcome. Welcome, Bill. Thanks for having me. And hey, by the way, congratulations on what sounds like a a very effective uh, share Yeah, it was quite above and beyond. It was uh, uh, kind of shocking, to be honest. Wow. The response well, you was know, crazy. Well, you really do have the greatest audience. I've, uh, having been on your show now for a couple of years, and by the way, Faith Radio is so gracious to me to allow me to be on every other week. And um, Bill Arnold and his staff have put up with the times I've maybe been in a noisy airport or something like that. But I get a lot of messages on Facebook nice. and Messenger from your listeners and sometimes Bible questions, which nice. it's my honor to respond to. But um, it sounds like your audience not only is uh, very friendly and willing to reach out, but very generous as well. And we give God the glory for that. Yeah, that's so true. And Alex, I uh, so appreciate your contribution. You speak with such boldness uh, and courage, and you make no apology, and I know that is more and more what people need to hear, someone who's standing without apology. Well, you know, I was reading this week of John MacArthur's church out in California, and I don't don't know if you've been following that. I have. Um, And they, they put down a list of just unreasonable demands in order for them to, quote, stay open. And, I mean, most people are acknowledging that the, the demands and really the threats against John MacArthur are just, you know, you know, pretty much uh, uh, a, attempts to get the, the church 
Well, to make an example of John MacArthur and, you know, to say things like you can't use hymn books, you can't use pew Bibles, you can't um, sing, all the sermons have to be 15 minutes or less. You know, hmm. and when MacArthur was reading this list of demands, uh, everybody laughed because for those that may not know, I mean, John MacArthur is really a great expositor of God's Word. In fact, if somebody's talking about a good preacher, they might say something like, well, he's a real John MacArthur. You know? So, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. the idea that John MacArthur would ever be told what or how to preach by a government entity um, is, is, is laughable, really. But the reason I bring this up is um, I, I do what people are praying for this country because, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Eric Metaxas, a brilliant, meticulous thinker, and other historians are saying that unless we really do have a move of God's Holy Spirit, America of 2020 is really reminiscent of Germany before the, the rise of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. And and I, I really think that um, I'm not the first to use these three R's, but revival or rapture or ruin, you know, those mm. are the options we're facing. Um, maybe Christ is going to come back, and maybe it's very soon. Uh, but uh, apart from a revival bill and a great move of God, I, I really see only darker days for this country. But but we have great hope, and that's why we should pray for America and for the Lord to deeply, deeply move in our country at this time. Mm-hmm. Alex, there's been certainly a, an erosion of morals in our country. There's It's becoming more and more godless every day, of course, and there's even a a declining sense of uh, patriotism and a national spirit, as you point out in your book, The Assault on America. Uh, what kind of uh, thoughts should we have? What kind of action should we be taking right now? Well, great question. And let me say, I've never, ever really promoted my books. I mean, I felt led to write books, and I let them go where they go. This book, I'm aggressively promoting, The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons, Bill, that I don't mind brazenly asking people to read this book is because I, and this is by design, I was not paid to write this book. I took zero compensation, no money whatsoever. In fact, I've spent my own money traveling the country to promote the book. And the official release date was Tuesday of this week, the 15th, published by Harrison House, the audiobook, hardcover, paperback, it's all out there, Kindle. Um, I talk about how the loss of morality, the abandonment and belief in morals, has really brought us where we are. And I talk about the fact that the country was, without argument, historically documented, founding, founded on biblical principles. And so part of the, um, the vitriol and just the inability to have any sort of decision or leadership, and, you know, the um, uh, Speaker Pelosi has already said that if Trump wins, the, the Democrat Party will not recognize that. Uh, I mean, my goodness, the first time in 242 years that we apparently are not going to see the peaceful, you know, transition of power or preservation of power. So, Bill, I, I honestly believe the only real hope for the preservation of America is for the Holy Spirit to move over this nation like a, a blanket to uh, touch every community and hopefully every every person. But I, I've got to tell you something that is going to blow your mind. All right, listen to this. Uh and how long till a break, Bill? Four minutes. 
So I'm on the phone this morning with a friend of mine, originally from Colombia, and he has a PhD in economics, but now he's in ministry, and he was the uh, CFO of a of a billion dollar company in Colombia that you know they were a shipping company and they shipped goods for stores. All right, the very same month that Derek Floyd died, and of course there was much, much civil unrest in the aftermath of Derek Floyd's death, who was, you know, had the officer's knee on his neck, and that's very sad. But this man, who is, a, in my opinion, a person of unimpeachable character from Colombia, the very same thing happened that very same month in Colombia and there was all sorts of civil unrest coming about and he said to me he said he believes that there is a concerted effort to create civil unrest and thus in that state of disorder to begin to in introduce and impose new order hmm. the new order being socialism and um, maybe these are just two tragic accidents that happened within the, a very small time frame, or maybe it's a more concerted, uh, organized thing, only God knows. But we're, because of the breakdown of the family, because of the weakening or the suppression of the church, we are a nation, Bill, and I say it in my book, The Assault on America, and I do, in hope, I give a pathway back, but I think we're at the most tenuous, consequential moment since the American Revolution. Wow. And and all of our futures hang in the balance, really. We had a letter, uh, I think, come into the station, I think maybe last week, and this uh, listener was fairly disgruntled, um, unfortunately, about the periodic uh, discussion of things that were political. And, and it wasn't necessarily on this show. It was on one of the shows or something. Or she, maybe he or she wasn't specific. But it seems that when we're at the... Uh, cusp of losing our republic it's important for christians not to look the other way for christians to be as in, as, as involved as we can but i also know it's important that we don't hurt our witness can you uh, shed light on yeah. that yeah well thanks for asking and you know i'm sorry that I any listener would ever be disgruntled because I, in my opinion the faith radio network is just they exemplify uh, excellence in Christian broadcasting, not only the content, but the way it's delivered. And so um, I, I thank God for everything you all do and what you stand for, Bill. But, you know, for the church to discuss political issues, it, it's like going to the doctor. You might not want to, you might not enjoy it, but you need to, for, to stay healthy. And uh, we are a country um, that from the Declaration of Independence on talks about this wonderful principle called the consent of the governed. Mm -hmm. And Romans 13, 1 through 7, talks about uh, God sanctions good civil government and allows it. So I really believe it's a stewardship issue. And, and Bill, I realize many Christians have never been taught along these lines. But since we have the opportunity to uh, participate in government, I, I really think we have an absolute responsibility to do so. Uh, just to say, hey, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to die and go to heaven one day. Um, I don't care what goes on in this world. That, that's abdicating a, a privilege and a responsibility 
that we can be salt and light in this world and therefore influence political and moral outcomes. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't, Alex, as Christians, we be involved in education? Shouldn't we as Christians be involved in the media? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the, the seven or eight engines that drive the culture, the home, the church, the media, the marketplace, uh, the the arts, the sciences, the judiciary. Um, I, I just two hours ago had a had a very wonderful meeting with a college president, and look, part of the reason that we're where we are has been just a decades long um, mess, a secular, militantly secular mess that has become American higher education, and I. I Post Scopes trial, nineteen twenty-five. This is kind of a long, long thing, and I know we probably don't have time to unpack it fully. But in the aftermath of the Scopes trial in nineteen twenty-five, many Christians receded from politics, receded from education, and and receded even from the arts. And I would argue, Francis Schaeffer, who died in nineteen eighty-six, argued this: that part of the reason America is in the debacle it's in is that we we pulled away from the public square. Mm. And so maybe there are even some of your listeners that um, it won't be easy, certainly won't be in the comfort zone, but maybe some of your listeners need to run for office as a Christian. Now, but I would beg everybody, and I say it in the book, The Assault on America. I mean, I honestly think if you read this new book I've written, The Assault on America, you it's your primer to be equipped biblically and fruitfully to be salt and light. And I, I would beg everybody to be registered, be informed, and vote. All right. Take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We'll be back in 90 seconds. back with Dr. Alex McFarlane, who's making quite the effort to be on the program today because he had his wisdom teeth pulled yesterday. <laughs> so thank you, Alex, for doing the show, despite probably a little bit of discomfort today. Oh, well, well, let me just say this. Uh, if you have a chance to get your wisdom teeth out uh, when you're a teenager, that's probably <laughs> yeah. a wiser thing to do than to wait till you're in your 50s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hel- help me with some uh, putting these two ideas together. I, my interest in politics is like point zero 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 three, And then I think of the great line by Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Yeah, that's a brilliant quote, isn't it? It really Edmund is. Burke, yeah, um, and, and and it's true. I mean, so often elections are decided by just, you know, a handful of votes. So every vote really does count. Um, another Edmund Burke quote that I think about, and I, I like quotes. I mean, good, you know, substantive quotes can be quite inspiring, but he said this, he said, that which we obtain too easily, we esteem too lightly. Mm, so true. I love that quote. In, in, yeah, in a similar vein, Benjamin Franklin, um, no, I'm sorry, George Washington, George Washington said this quote. He said, liberty will look easy by and by when nobody has to die to get it. And so um, to our present day, I mean, really, we we just can't even fathom the price that the founders 
women and men paid to secure our independence, to build this nation. And do you know what? I was talking to a historian that I had on my um, television program, Bill, who said, really, in the scheme of history, think about this, roughly 4% of the human race has ever had the liberty and the freedom that we have in America. I mean, even on her worst day, look, you, you can live where you want to live. You can pursue the career you want to pursue. I mean, now it's going to take a lot of hard work, you know, deferred gratification. It's going to really take a lot of discipline. But in America, you can be free, safe, and prosperous, or at least you could up until a few months ago. Mm -hmm. how, how many people in world history have had what we have, roughly 4% of the people? I mean, we live better than 96% of the humans that have ever lived. I think that's worth fighting for, Bill. Yeah, I do too. So with the anarchy that uh, continues to rage and all the chaos that's going on in the world right now, Alex, I think your book, The Assault on America, does address the question, could this be the end of it? Yeah, I mean, and I, I want to tell you, I've been praying for you all uh, in Minnesota, Thank you. you know, where so much of this has, you know, emanated from. You know, I've been just deeply concerned for, for you all. Um, but he, here's the thing I think about, you know, when um, James Madison, he was our fourth president and uh, called the chief architect of the U.S. Constitution. And and by the way, when you talk about the um, the the 55 people that were at the Constitutional Convention in 1787, oh, my goodness. Um, one thing historians have noted, it was an absolutely unique amalgam of great thinkers, people that understood, you know, everything from, from Aristotle and Plato um, to British common law, and a very high percentage were faithful Christians. I mean, these were not just some, you know, flunkies getting together to try to put some economic experiment in place. Um, if, if you were going to call a tribunal of some of the wisest, most brilliant people at any given moment, I, Bill, I honestly believe from, from Jefferson to Washington to Benjamin Franklin to Alexander Hamilton, uh, you know, the people that convened to create America, it was, it was overseen by God. Uh, really. So, so James Madison said, we have staked the whole future of the American civilization, not on the power of government, far from it, but on the capacity of each one of us to govern ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. So, you know, nowadays, of course, secularists, you know, have an aneurysm if you talk about posting the Ten Commandments or talking about God. But I, I would love to say to people, okay, first of all, this is part of our history. In God We Trust, as of 1956, is our national motto. Even if you didn't believe in God, what harm would it be to put up a regular reminders, hey, uh, thou shalt not murder, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery, honor your father and mother, and remember God is watching. I mean, even if you didn't you, you've got no use for God or church. Look, uh, clearly, back when we did acknowledge morals and the Ten Commandments, it was a different country uh, than now today when we 
don't. So I think we need we need some common sense again, Bill, don't we? Yes, we do. We need lots of common sense. Even a person who is an atheist, if they lived by God's moral principles and Ten Commandments, they would they would have a pretty nice life. They would. Mm-hmm. They, they really would. I mean, that's one of the things about Christianity. I, I do think Christianity is demonstrably true. I do think compelling lines of evidence point to the reality of the Bible and Christianity. But even if, besides all that, it's just a better way to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. So, Alex, I am uh, always anxious to hear what's on your head and in your heart. And this Assault on America, your, this new book that came out, again, you just feel quite passionate about it, don't you? I really do. Um, I, I think, and, and I'm hearing this behind closed doors, um, we, we are in a state of war, folks. I mean, there is, there is a coup attempt in process. And... We need, I mean, one lady asked me, she said, should I care about politics? And I said, well, only if you care about the future that you're going to experience. I mean, if if you really don't care about what tomorrow is going to hold, then don't worry. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even if politics is not your interest, you know, I assure you politics cares about you. And right now it it stems, and I'm just going to say it, Part of the the lawlessness within the hearts and minds of some leaders is is because, look, they have failed at the highest moral precept of all, Mm -hmm. the sanctity of life. I mean, look, if if you'll kill a baby, you'll do anything. And and so we've got to get back to um, recognizing what the Declaration says is the most fundamental right, the right to life. Mm -hmm. Now... People will quickly say, they'll say, well, yeah, but, you know, what about uh, unintended pregnancies? I mean, you're going to have to tell people to be um, morally restrained and that, you know, um, you know, um, you know, free sex is, is something you're going to have to deny yourself of. Well, yeah, we're going to have to have the moral courage and there's going to have to be ministers that have the courage to preach what thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is right when it says, you know, the wicked will be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. Um, I, I think we're, we're living in a time of anarchy, lawlessness, because we, we don't recognize the lawgiver, God. Mm-hmm. Alex, you always make me think. Thank you so much for coming on the program today and, and blessings on your mouth. This week as your your mouth recovers from wisdom teeth extraction. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) You're very kind. Thank you, Bill. Have a great weekend. Dr. Alex McFarland has been my guest. His book is called The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, Doreen Virtue will be joining us. She was one of the uh, best-selling New Age authors. And then guess what? She discovered Jesus. So it's a testimony of a big life change coming up. Be right back.
Welcome back to the show. If you've ever read anything about New Age, you might have read something that sounded pretty enticing. Uh, my my guest, uh, Doreen Virtue, is, uh, was involved in New Age for many years, has written a number of books about it, and now she's written a book called Deceived No More, How Jesus Led Me Out of the New Age and Into His Word. She was raised in Christian science and uh, was formerly the top-selling New Age author at the world's largest New Age publisher. So she knows what she's talking about when it comes to New Age and also now the gospel of Jesus Christ. Doreen, welcome. Thank you so much, Bill. You know, when you got to be so popular as a New Age author, it must have been uh, a big jump to say, no, I'm I'm not believing in any of this anymore. It was... um Amazing, because I was at the top of my career when Jesus saved me and opened my eyes to the gospel. And I had to tell, because I was, I, my publishing um, of New Age materials was in 35 languages worldwide. Wow. So I, um, and, and I had a very popular YouTube channel and, and um, social media, and I just used those platforms to say that the New Age is run by Satan. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I, re- I, I publicly repented and renounced it, and I do so every single day because there's still people who don't know that. Doreen, uh, I would love for you to to talk about some of the New Age teachings, maybe even some of the things you wrote about, and how you were persuading others to find what you were saying or what New Age was saying appealing. Yeah, well, New Age is based on not knowing God because you haven't read the Bible and you don't know the truth of the gospel. So in the New Age, you try to take everything in your own hands. So you use divination tools like cards or crystals to try to predict your future, also astrology and horoscopes, because you don't trust God with your future. And it really comes down to that. Um, you Instead of praying, uh, people in the New Age are always glorifying themselves with using positive affirmations. They they use a little bit of the Bible here and there, and then they twist it um, to make themselves look good instead of glorifying God. And um, they also appropriate from different cultures and different religions. So they'll pull in from Buddhism and Hinduism and Native American and Celtic spirituality, and they just kind of blend it all together. And then the overall tone of the New Age is a suspicious uh, nature toward uh, evangelicalism and uh, the Bible in particular. The New Agers teach that the Bible has been tampered with and that there's missing books. They point to the Gospel of Thomas, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls, but you can you can bet they've never read those Gospels or they would know that those are not part of our canonical Bible for a reason. So it's just a, a lot of people who who were raised Catholic or uh, Protestant, and they rejected the church, and they're trying to make their own church. Okay, so it seems that if you're pursuing New Age, the person in the place of authority in your life is always going to be you. Yes, exactly. In fact, they teach, um, they take the scripture that says, be still and know that I am God, to mean instead of Jesus, that it's I, each person. And and I mean, it's just blasphemous twisting of scripture. Uh, it's believing that, that the omnipresence of our of God means that God is within us, and this is unsaved people, and believing that because God's omnipresent, that means God's within us, that therefore we are all little gods. I mean, it's just hmm. shocking 
Now that I'm yeah. out of it, I can't believe I used to think that way. Well, be nice to yourself. Uh, Doreen, how do uh, New Agers process evil and suffering? Um, they think that evil and suffering comes from negative thinking and that you oh, attract sure. evil, you attract negative. There, there was, excuse me, there was a very popular book called The Secret, which tragically has been made into a movie now, that taught what's called the law of attraction. And that's what New Agers believe, that we are in charge of what happens in this world, not God. And it's all because if, if you're thinking negative or say something negative, then you have a negative effect. If you think positive, then you'll have positive outcomes. So it seems like one of the big attractions to New Age is you have some sense of the future. You have some understanding of what lies ahead. And That's right. I can understand. I can understand how that would be appealing to uh, people who are lost. You're exactly right, Bill. It's all about having control and power. And of course, as we know, Christianity is about surrender and acknowledging that God has all the power. So it's it is the opposite of um, Christianity. And a lot of people that I counsel now are trying to blend New Age with Christianity. They they go to church. They believe in Jesus but they want to have their horoscopes or they want to have uh, their crystals or, you know, even yoga can be a real problem. And, and so what I teach is that they're polar opposites. You can't blend the dark and the light. So I know there are pieces of truth because you can't, you can't sell something unless it's twisted truth. So when you were writing books and in the new age, what pieces of truth were you clinging to? One of the pieces of truth that is biblical is the importance of forgiveness. And, okay. and you can see that in all New Age books, is that you forgive. In fact, the motto in the New Age is forgiveness is the key to happiness. And so that was really emphasized. And like you said, ever since Genesis 3, the devil has been um, just an evil genius of mixing in enough truth to hook people in and then... Um, you know, then the lies are right there. The other part of truth is that um, the New Age offer seems to offer healing uh, apart from God and through mind control. So people do experience what seems to be genuine healings in the New Age. I mean, I was raised in Christian science, and that's why, unfortunately, my parents still believe in Christian science, because it seems like people are healed. But it is demonic. Um, the New Age is just about um, leading people away from the gospel, leading people away from Jesus, and leading people away from the Bible. And uh, and unfortunately, it's creeping into the church, and I'm very concerned. It is interesting when I hear stories of uh, wise executives, smart, well-paid people in big corporate positions, and then they run these multi-million dollar companies and then they go home and chant over crystals at night. Yeah. And I start to think, well, there is something about the, the, the meditation or the calming or whatever it is that's uh, falsely working for them because they have certainly bought a lie. But uh, there, there, must, there must be some attractive elements that keep people buying these books. Absolutely. I mean, if you drink alcohol, you will think that you're having a form of peace for a while, True. but there's always exactly. a price to pay. And so yeah. Eastern meditation is very different. In the Bible, you know, Psalm 1 talks about meditating on the, the law, the Torah, 
day and night. But that's a Hebrew word, Hagah, which means to utter or mutter out loud. It means focusing on the scripture, whereas Eastern and New Age meditation is all about emptying your mind, and that leaves us so vulnerable to demonic uh, oppression, to false thoughts coming in our mind that we attribute to God, and it's just all around um, very dangerous. The, the other part that is very New Age that I see creeping into the church is universalism, which is the belief that everyone goes to heaven. Oprah it teaches this, that all paths lead to God. I used to say that in the New Age. Um, I used to say, well, the Buddhists are nice people. The Hindus are nice people. How could they not go to heaven? But then, of course, the gospel teaches us it's not about being a nice person. It's through our repentance and belief in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And in, in the New Age, that's considered hate speech to think that someone's excluded from heaven. So um, it's really... It really comes down to sharing the gospel and helping people to understand that we're all sinners and that just because we're saying that doesn't mean that we are being negative like the New Agers think, that it's the truth. You know, I have some friends that have been involved and are involved in New Age, and they they try to make it sound to me like we kind of believe the same thing, to which I always have to emphatically say, no, we don't. (laughs) Exactly. But it, it seems like they want to have as much familiarity as they can with Christians. At least that's been my yeah. experience. Well, it's true. I mean, the New Agers, they they actually try to evangelize Christians. And it's very subtle, but you'll, you'll hear New Agers say things like, well, you know, let me show you how to be more positive. And that's them yeah. evangelizing this. That's their gospel. It's a gospel of positivity. And it's a false gospel, of course. You are positive and that you'll get rewarded for that, and that's not how it works, as we know. Yeah, they almost come at you with, um, I'm a, almost a little bit better than you, because I'm, I'm willing to yeah. be way more open and accepting of more people versus you. you exact, you've got it exactly. That's the division right there. Huh. So when you, when you want to talk to Christians about how to spot some New Age teachings, because... If you're not biblically literate, you're going to be open to hearing things that make you go, well, that sounds like, that sounds interesting, or that could be truthful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of New Agers, because they've come from a Protestant or Catholic background, they can use Christian terminology, and so it will, it'll fool you. So they'll, they'll use words that mean something completely different. But you want to look out for uh, key words, like when, when a New Ager says, believe, for instance, you know, you'll see slogans on t-shirts, believe. You want to ask them, what do you believe in or who do you believe in? And they'll always tell you they believe in themselves. Um, New Mm -hmm. Agers will tell you that they love Jesus. Of course I love Jesus, they'll say. But then ask them to define Jesus because the one they're following is the prophesied false Christ who Mm -hmm. is permissive, who is universalist, who says you can do whatever you want as long as you're positive. And that's yeah. not Jesus. And no. they have not read the gospel. They have not read Jesus calling out the Pharisees. Yeah, Doreen Virtue is my guest. She's written a book called Deceived No More, How Jesus Led Me Out of the New Age and Into His Word. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with Doreen.
show. So glad to have Doreen Virtue as my guest. She was involved in New Age for uh, how many years, Doreen, was it? Um, 22 years in the New Age. And then before then, I was in what's called New Thought Christian Science that my mom raised us in since since we were born. And you were a big deal as a New Age uh, author. You were uh, uh, with the world's largest New Age publisher, and, and you had some followers, didn't you? Yes, um, I was the top-selling author uh, right before Jesus saved me, and um, the publisher was treating us like rock stars. They were flying us first class all around the world, and uh, I was on Oprah and CNN and all the liberal shows constantly. So, yeah, my lifestyle seemed to be successful, but when I look back, I was always seeking. I was still looking for the truth, and little did I know tragically that it was right there on my bookshelf the whole time in the Bible. Yeah. But you did, uh, like you said earlier, raised in a Christian science home. What was that like? I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but I I don't completely understand Christian science. Christian science is um, blasphemous heresy that says that Jesus was a created human only, and that he's our role model that only came to earth to teach us how to heal. And so Christian scientists famously do not go to doctors, don't use any kind of medicine, including aspirin, and uh, use prayer that they say is based on the Gospels in in order to heal. Mm -hmm. Doreen, what are some of the stereotypes of New Agers? Because when I I think of some of the New Age friends I've had, they've uh, all wanted to have the fancy new car and the barking dog in the background and all of that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they want the, they they want the whole package. Yes, um, yeah. Materialism seems very, like it's a big deal. New Age is very materialistic. I was actually shocked um, when I came out of New Age to really see that because in the New Age they just focused on Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland as their belief of what a Christian was like. And so they would put that down and say, see how Christians, they just want money. And then when I became a Christian and joined a you know good Bible-believing Baptist church, I was so, um, it was just so, I can't even put it into words to see the amount of charity work being done in the Christian mm-hmm. community in secret, because the left hand isn't supposed to know what the right hand's doing. And and, uh, and when I look back on the New Age, it was about trying to find fulfillment through things, uh, through, you know, having a nice house, a nice car, a good job, all of the things, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with it if God blesses you. Um, it's more opportunity to donate and, and help others. But, gosh, the, the New Age is looking for happiness and peace in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Doreen, I've, I've often thought many times that the most difficult person to sometimes uh, witness to is religious people. Now, I'm not saying New Agers would call themselves religious. Maybe they would. But if you are committed to a position that's uh, false and of the enemy, uh, how is the most effective way, would you say, to reach a New Ager? Well, the New Agers love to be prayed over. And, of course, we know that the gospel is the power of God for salvation, so they have to hear the gospel. And the best way I've found to share the gospel is to be with the New Agers, and and it could be on the phone, it could be on Zoom or in person, and pray out loud for them. Ask them, what would you like me to pray for? And they'll always say something materialistic. And you say, okay, but incorporate the gospel into the prayer. 
you know, as you're praying, thank Jesus for coming to earth and suffering and dying for us while we were still in sin, and that he um, was risen three days later, and he's now at the right hand of our Father God. You know, incorporate the gospel as you're praying over a new age, so they hear it without defenses. And then that's planting the seed, and the Holy Spirit, um, if it's planted in good soil, will do the rest. Well, when Jesus broke into your life and revealed the truth of the gospel and you became born again, uh, I want to hear about that day, that experience, that time in your life when that happened. I'd love to hear how it happened. I had, because I was raised in Christian science and my mom told my brother and I that we were Christians, I had always kind of blended all the different religions and I'd been listening to Christian radio for years. And January 2015, I was listening to Alistair Begg, and he was talking about 2 Timothy 4, about Mm -hmm. in the end times, people will want their itching ears tickled by false prophets. And as I was listening to that show, he broke through my defenses, and I, I identified that I was the false prophet that he was talking about. And I went home and I told my husband, I want to go to church, not a New Age church, I want to go to a regular church. So we started to go to church, and... In January 2017, that's when the gospel was revealed to me, and uh, and then I started to read the whole Bible, and I gave up New Age and publicly denounced it, and was fired from my publisher. Uh, it's been, and many of my friends and family have, um, you know, they won't speak to me anymore. So it's been very difficult, but it's been, it's, you know, I, I'm just so grateful God would save me because I was. I was teaching such heresy in the New Age, and the fact that he saved me shows his grace and mercy. Yeah, Doreen, I just have to say there's a lot of humility going on right now. Well, I mean, when I look back on my life, it's a miracle that I'm alive, a miracle that he saved me. Um, I'm I'm completely grateful, and the least I can do is, is help others in the New Age who perhaps I had deceived because I was deceived and passed it along and so I'm trying to be a selfless servant for Christ, and um, just, like I said, I'm just so grateful that he saved me. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Do a lot of New Agers uh, long for some uh, experience, some religious encounter? Are they looking for light, or are they hoping for some special uh, moment that tells them that they're on the right path? Or uh, What are they hoping for? Yeah, there's a real reverence for the mysticism that you see in some Catholicism. Um, there's a real emphasis on experience over Scripture. I see that in some of the hypercharismatic traditions as well. And so when people are talking to me and they say, you know, I don't feel God, I have to talk to them. And it's not about a feeling. It's about knowing God. And, you, you know, you might feel more peaceful, but we're not here to go for the experience or the emotion like the New Age emphasizes. Mm-hmm. When you look back over your relationship with your publisher and some of your colleagues in New Age, have you been able to have any uh, substantive conversations uh, with with uh, former colleagues or former authors uh, about what direction your life is going in right now? Unfortunately, they've completely shut me out. I've, I've been shunned um, by my publisher. I have no communication with them my ex-publisher, you know, I'm with Thomas Nelson now, and they've been amazing to work with. But um, 
my old friends have gone by the wayside. Uh, one friend did convert to Christianity, but um, all the people I've invested two decades with are gone. I pray for them every day, and I know because I kind of get some feedback that they're monitoring my social media pages. So I hope that they're seeing the gospel there. So when you come home and you tell your husband, uh, Michael, that you want to start to go to a Bible-believing church, does he think you're nuts, or is he thinking, all right, I'll go with you? No, he was raised Methodist before Methodist became kind of liberal, like it is now, unfortunately. Um, And his mom is a Baptist, so he was raised in a Christian household. He just Maybe he wasn't saved. We don't know. Or he, he definitely had backslid because he was in the New Age with me. So I think he was relieved that we were moving away from New Age. But it took us a couple years to really understand what that meant. You know, I, I wish I could say I instantly became a godly person. I didn't. I still was mm-hmm. dabbling with cards and still traveling around. It really was reading through the entire Bible um, the first time especially, but the second time, and now I'm on my fourth time reading the whole Bible, not to brag, but just to explain, that's where we find out about godly living. And I needed to surround myself with mature Christians who had the courage to call me out when I would be going in a ditch. And uh, and that's been a process that unfortunately doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Doreen, if, you, uh, if a person listening might have dabbled in the past in New Age, and they've got some uh, new Age artifacts around the house, uh, cards or crystals or something. Is it a good idea to get those out of the house ASAP? Yeah, it is. Um, I got rid of all of my New Age materials and um, felt a big difference. Unfortunately, my mom still has because she lives with us. She still has New Age materials. And my husband still has a couple of the angel paintings, and I've asked them to get rid of them. But what I do is I just stay away from them because they're in a different part of the house. And um, in where I am personally is, and in you know the places where my husband and I are together, there's no New Age items, and and there's and it was immediately I just felt this lightness, not to emphasize feelings, uh, when I threw all those items away. It was Acts 19:19 backs up the importance of getting rid of any kind of materials that are from the occult or New Age, and um, and that's what I did. Just threw away thousands and thousands of dollars with the material and mm-hmm. didn't even look back. Yeah, I'm sure. Just have a minute or so left, uh, Doreen. What what might you say to those who might be dabbling or have dabbled and who are just searching today? Well, please read Deuteronomy 18, verses 10 through 12, and know that there's no benefits that the New Age offers that are worth incurring God's wrath. And we do not want to be an abomination to God by practicing anything that's paganism. God says he does not share his glory with any idols. So New Age is so much about idolatry. Be sure to be honest with yourself and the Holy Spirit to see if you've got something on your heart besides Jesus. And if you do, Hmm. get rid of it. Jesus is the only one on the throne of our heart. Yeah. Doreen, you've been walking with the Lord for, what, three years now? Three years, Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Has anyone on radio asked you to pray on radio yet? Um, well, I don't, because of First Timothy 2.12, I don't feel comfortable as a woman um, okay. praying. But, um, Let me pray then. We can just wrap up this okay. hour because this is a, a, a topic that is uh, has some demonic attachment to it. 
And I just mm-hmm. want to pray against uh, the kingdom of darkness. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for Doreen and her amazing story, her testimony, her life, the way you rescued her uh, from her uh, work in New Age and her deception. I pray against uh, anything from the kingdom of darkness that might be influencing uh, a listener right now, or maybe there is a, a listener that this podcast will be sent to. I pray for their soul. And I also just uh, give you great uh, praise and glory and honor for a new life in Christ. And thank you for Doreen and her work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you for doing the show. It's awfully nice to meet you. And uh, congratulations um, on your book and your hard work that you've done. And uh, what an amazing story. Thank you. God bless you and all your listeners. God bless you. Doreen Virtue has been my guest. We'll take a short break and we'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.